Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Southeast. And so, you know, we thank you all for joining us today. And 
you know, um, we invite you to listen to our archives. If you go on Blog Talk Radio slash, well, blogtalkradio.com slash Black Freethinkers, you'll see our archives. You can also find our archives in iTunes, Stitcher, and a number of other places. Um, we're all over the place here. So we thank you all for your support over the past three years. We are now going into our fourth year. So thank you so much for the motivation. Thank you for the support. Thank you for everything that you all have done. I thank you for the letters and the emails, you know, that we've received. Um, we appreciate you. I want to shout out hi to Brandy. Haven't heard from you in a while. Just wanted to let you know that I was thinking about you. And, you know, again, thank you all. Um, this is the third part to our Losing My Religion series. And today we're going to talk about growth and free thought and humanism. But before I start that, I wanted to make a few announcements. You know how we do. And the first announcement is we're still having our fundraiser on Indiegogo um, to raise funds for our social justice project, the social justice projects as well as the conference. And for those of you who aren't familiar, we're having a conference October 11th and 12th of this year, so October 11th and 12th of 2014 we will be having our first annual Moving Social Justice Conference. And this will be taking place in Los Angeles, California. And we have a number of speakers that will be there, you know, panelists, and we're looking forward to seeing you. The registration is only $40, and it's $25 for students. So more information, we have to put the link up, and I think our webmaster finally get that situated, so hopefully we'll be able to get that up and running this week. But um, again, you know, we appreciate you guys, you know, for tuning in. We appreciate you all for your support. On June 27th of this year, 2014, June 27th, we will be um, launching our first national, one of our first national um, social justice outreach programs. We will be going out into the community on June 27th. That is National HIV Testing Day. And again, I'll say it again, June 27th is National HIV Testing Day. So we will be out in the community um, handing out information. All of that will be available if you want to come and volunteer with us. That's great if you want to come out and get tested. We can do that, too. I'm going to list all of the information for the different cities this week. So that will be Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, the DMV area. Um, Philadelphia has joined us. So, you know, again, you know, it's going to be a lot of different places. I know we're in the DMV, which is D.C., Maryland, Virginia. They're going to be with um, this group, and I think they're going to be playing kickball. So that should be a lot of fun. So, you know, again, we're going to be putting the information out there. You can come on out and join us. And, you know, there are several other um, social justice projects that are on the books. You know, we have um, plans on having um, a day outreach to the homeless. So I know in Los Angeles they work a lot with this LGBTQ homeless shelter. So I believe they'll be doing that in DMV, they'll be working with this homeless shelter, um, you know, serving food. And here in Chicago, we'll be working with this homeless um, group and, you know, giving them um, things that they need, like toiletries. You know, soap is very important. You know, people don't realize, you know, we tend to take that, you know, for granted. But, you know, they need things like soap. They need things like towels, you know, uh, things like that. That's important so that they can, you know, 
clean themselves up. So, you know, there are different things that we're doing. We're going to be doing a back-to-school um, program in which we will be giving school supplies, backpacks, and things of that nature um, to the children, and maybe if we have extras, we'll give it to the principal to give it to those children that are in need so that they won't be without supplies throughout the year. Uh, and even though many of us do not celebrate, you know, the majority of these holidays, and in particular Christmas, um, we're also going to do some outreach during that time of the year because, you know, even though we don't celebrate, there are people out there that do. So I believe we're going to probably go to the post office and pick up, you know, three of the letters that, um, you know, these young people send to the post office asking for, you know, certain things for Christmas and fulfilling those Christmas wishes. And so, you know, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be giving out food. You know, we're taking food donations, and we're also taking physical donations for all of these things. So if you have school supplies that you want to donate, you know, um, new clothing or very gently used clothing, um, you know, we want to give those types of things away. Um, we're taking food donations. All of that is on that Indiegogo um, link. And, you know, I posted it earlier this week. I'll post it again. And it has the address and telephone number. So if you want to volunteer, you want to come out, if you want us to help you get this set up for your city, just let us know. We're, you know, open. This is open to everyone in the community. So it's not just black free thinkers or black skeptics, you know, or Latinos. This is for everyone. You know, this is open to the mainstream as well. Surly Amy from Surly Ramix donated some of her necklaces to us for our fundraiser. So that was a wonderful and beautiful thing, and they're going to be coming out and joining with us in Los Angeles. So, you know, that's great. And she has a new group, and they meet at CFI Los Angeles, you know, so we would like to thank Surly Amy for, you know, her contribution. Um, we appreciate it very much so. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of give you all some ideas as to what we're doing, why we're doing it, because, again, there are people in need, and, you know, I just personally believe in doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And giving back into the community and establishing that relationship with the community, that is part of me. That is part of who I am. And, you know, as time goes on, we'll be developing even more programs. As a matter of fact, um, we should be, um, Dr. Hutchison, should be setting up everything for the award ceremony for the recipients of this year's scholarship program. So for those of you that were able to donate, wonderful. Those that weren't, it was the thought that count because we do understand that this has been a really rough economy for, you know, the majority of us. You know, we've all been hit in some way or another. And if you're still interested in giving money to the scholarship program, the PayPal for that is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. You can make your donations. We are a 501c3 organization, so this is tax deductible. As a matter of fact, for those that want to give to people of color um, beyond faith, you can do that, people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. Again, that's people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. You know, and again, we're part of that 501c3 organization. They're our sponsor, and it is tax deductible. You know, those are our PayPal 
um, email accounts, and you can go ahead and put the PayPal, you know, donation in there. So there are a number of ways that this can be done. And, again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. If you want to donate to the Black Skeptics group, you have Black Skeptics Los Angeles, the Black Skeptics Chicago, and then we have our, you know, affiliate groups, the one in Milwaukee, the one in DMV, um, and then we have Houston Black Nonbelievers down in Houston, Texas. They're a separate group, but they're a part of our family here. And we would like to give a shout-out to Black Atheists of Philadelphia. That's June Taylor in her group, you know, who's going to be working with us on these social justice projects. So it's expanding. There are more people that are, you know, interested in what we're doing. And if that happens to be you, let us know. You know, you don't have to be in one of these cities. If you're in another city, just shout-out, let us know. And that's an email, blackskeptics at gmail.com, or even people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. We will respond back, and we can help you get these programs set up in a city near you. And we are working with other organizations, you know, secular as well as, in some cases, religious, faith-based organizations. So I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that and you understood that because we are not adverse to working with progressive, liberal, you know, um, faith-based organizations. Okay, so I just want to make sure that that is understood that, you know, we work with progressive liberal <laughs> organizations. You know, we're not um, necessarily um, working with fire and brimstone, holiness or hell um, organizations, if you will. But some of them are even progressive. It's just, um, you know, a little bit of the theology is a little different, if you will. So we just wanted to kind of give you an idea as to what we're doing, you know, um, we had been waiting, you know, and, you know, we had been working out in the community, but we were waiting for, you know, others in the secular community to go out, and we were waiting for a while, so we just decided it was time for us to be the example. So, you know, again, you know, we're talking the talk, and we are walking the walk, and we invite you to walk along with us. Um, we appreciate you. We appreciate your support. We appreciate the motivation, you know, um, a young man called in last week from Oahu, Hawaii, and, you know, it that really made me feel good. It lets me know that we are, you know, reaching people, that there are people out there that care, and, you know, um, we appreciate your calling in last week, Fred, and it was just fantastic. So this is the third part of our Losing My Religion series. Um, you can go into the archives and you can listen to the first two parts, which were, you know, um, very good. I enjoyed myself on both of them. You know, we had a lot of fun. And today we're going to talk about growth and free thought and humanism. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm telling you all about my particular journey um, in, re in losing my religion. Now, I really stopped believing when I was about 11 or 12 and because, you know, again, I'm a child, and I know we have some, you know, I was a child then, um, we have some young people listening to the show, and every time I interview someone, I make sure that I ask them to say something to the young people that are listening. And, you know, that was one of the things that I experienced. I was 11, 12 years of age, but I was still living at home, of course, and, you know, I come from, you know, family of faith, a faith-based family, and... You know, I had to go to church. That's just how it was. And, 
you know, I would ask question after question after question, and, you know, the the Sunday school teachers and the Bible school teachers, they would tire of me. After, you know, after a while, I was known as, you know, Damien, that Damien child, because I would ask very complicated questions. Um, you know, in retrospect, they're not very complicated, but they're complicated to people who do not have the answers. So... It's not that they were lacking intellect or, you know, or anything of that nature. They just didn't have the answers. And that's one of the things that I've been stressing, you know, during the show, you know, over the past few years, and especially this past year, year and a half, there are quite a few intelligent people in the church. And, you know, I, you know, it would behoove us in the secular community and for us to spread the word, do not call those people stupid. They are not stupid. They are not ignorant, you know, and having a belief and a belief system does not mean that you're mentally ill. Stop saying that they are not mentally ill. Now, you know, we have people that have mental health issues, you know, in, in all communities, you know, in the secular community as well. And so, you know, we have to stop that. You know, we're trying to deconstruct these stigmas. And so it's unfair to, you know, try to take those same stigmas and project it on another group. And, you know, that's unfair on a number of levels. So we need to have that talk. We need to get a better understanding as to how we relate to other people and how, you know, the language that we're using. And, you know, this is something that I've been learning in my growth process. And I'm a lot better than what I used to be, but I still have a long way to go. There's still a lot of learning to do. There's still a lot of evolving to do, still a lot of enlightenment, you know, to be bestowed upon me. And, you know, it's a never-ending process. It's a never-ending process. Never believe or think that you know everything, that you've seen everything, you haven't. It's, it's a lifelong process, you know, that, that's, you know, what keeps my mind alive. You know, just, you know, me running after and soaking up the knowledge and the information that is out there, you know, I feel like a sponge, you know, just trying to soak it all in. And that's one of the reasons why I do this show. I do a lot of research for these shows, so, you know, I do a lot of reading, you know, I have, you know, hundreds, you know, maybe even thousands, but we'll just say hundreds of books, and I read, you know, and there are times when I can't focus and I can't read, you know, things get a little foggy for me, and, you know, I have to pull back at those times, but, you know, I do this because I'm able to reinforce what I've known, the knowledge that I've acquired, but also to give back to the community because, you know, a lot of things I've learned from reading, I've learned from, you know, um, education, you know, through courses and classes, and most importantly, there have been people that have set me down and corrected me. There have been people who took time out of their lives to educate me and to teach me, and they're still doing that, and I appreciate it. You know, there are people who send me book recommendations, reading lists, all of that, and I appreciate it. This is how I learn, and this is how I'm able to bring this information to you. And, you know, I'm still learning, you know, um, 
It's just it's been absolutely fantastic, you know, this adventure, you know, this journey that I've been on. And, you know, going back, you know, again, 11, 12, when I first started doubting and questioning everything, and, again, I still had to go through the process of attending, you know, services and, you know, putting on that show, if you will. And I ended up going back to the church in my early 30s. Let me see. Yeah, that was my early 30s. So, you know, I'm counting back the years, right? And it was because I was influenced by, you know, family. I was influenced by friends, um, you know, um, influenced by the person that I was dating at the time. So, you know, I had there were many factors. And I went back to church only to have my doubts reinforced. You know, initially I was gung-ho. I was all for it, you know, trying to live that word, trying to live that life, if you will. And I started noticing that most of the people around me weren't even trying and noticed that it was a game for, you know, quite a few people. And, again, it it was about, you know, um, you know, again, part of that is tradition. You know, this is tradition going to church. Um, People go to church for a number of different reasons. And, you know, I was starting to, you know, open my eyes and, you know, see what was happening. So, you know, I went back and picked up my relationship that I had walked away from. Um, And it was just interesting because, you know, it was a real eye-opener. And by this time, you know, I was part of the ministry, um, it was just, it was an awakening, you know, and it was a very hard lesson to learn because, again, you know, I went in 100% dedicated, like, okay, these people look happy. They seem to be on fire for the Lord. You know, I want some of that, you know, because they had convinced me that I was looking at things wrong. And so, you know, being pretty open-minded, I went back. And at first, you know, on fire, gung-ho, then I started reading the Bible. Hmm. This is interesting. Okay. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up. This doesn't reconcile. So, you know, I'm, I'm going through all of these changes here. You know, so I'm reading different books. And, you know, in addition to reading, you know, the King James Version, I was reading, you know, different types of Bibles as well. You know, the NIV happens to be my favorite one. And... You know, it just it wasn't lining up. And so I'm questioning. And, again, here we go with me questioning and asking difficult questions and, you know, bringing up the contradictions and being told that there were no contradictions. And, you know, just mm, a lot of cognitive dissonance at that point. And that's why, you know, I, I have to give thanks to Dr. Valerie Terrico over at xchristian.net because, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm reading these articles because I couldn't understand why I could not wrap my mind around some of these things. And, you know, when she did a series, a five-part series on cognitive dissonance, it put it all in perspective for me. And, you know, I studied myself right up out of the church 
I studied myself out of the church and watching human behavior. You know, it, it was, you know, some of the Christians that just ran me right up out of the church. It was, you know, an experience. It was interesting. And, you know, as I was explaining and sharing with you all last week, you know, after I reestablished my relationship, you know, my partner at the time, um, she discouraged me from going to church. Now, this is the one that was saying, as for me, at my house, we're going to serve the Lord and, you know, um, <laughs> chasing me into a church now, she's like, no, no. And whenever I would talk about going to church, you know, she would get very nervous about it and would ask 20 questions. And, you know, if I was going to a boring church, you know, she didn't mind that because she knew that that wouldn't hold my attention, and especially depending on the doctrine, because she was well-churched and uh, she understood some of these things. And when I didn't go to church and I stopped altogether, well, let's just say she was a happy camper. And so it's just it's been interesting. Um, our call-in number is 310-982-4273. And, again, that's 310-982-4273. And press 1 if you would like to speak with me. And, you know, again, I didn't open a chat room today. I just didn't, you know, feel like going through all of that. I didn't open the chat room. So for those of you that are listening or have clicked on the icon, yeah, the chat room is closed. So, you know, um, I appreciate that, the reminders there. But, yeah, it was just really interesting um, coming into this community. So, again, came to Facebook, um, found, you know, a couple of groups, you know, black atheist groups, and, I was just floored because for a long time I thought it was just me. I thought I was by myself. And I had people in this community, and there they were. There they were. And it was just, you know, absolutely amazing. I was just, like, you know, extremely happy um, that I saw other people that looked like me that felt the same way that I did because, again, like I stated last week, you know, I had some people in my circle saying, you know, that's that white people stuff, you know, because, again, the stigma or the stereotype for atheism is wealthy, educated, cisgender, hetero, white male. That is the stereotype. And they were attempting to lead me to believe that there were no black atheists, even though I was familiar with some black atheists in history, and, you know, I brought those people up. And, of course, they wanted to argue about, you know, James Baldwin and W.E.B. Du Bois, amongst a number of others. And it was like, no, but what it did was, you know, during the course of those, you know, heated discussions and um it, it caused me to want to research and to learn. And that's why we put a lot of information out here. I want you all to do the research. I want you to read. And I want you to glean a better understanding. I want you to understand who the predecessors were, the people who came before us that, you know, paid a price, you know, for their atheism, for their secularism, for their free thought, for their humanism, for their non-belief. You know, you had Hubert Henry Harrison, and I had the pleasure of having Dr. Jeffrey Perry on the show 
a few weeks ago in which we we spoke about in depth about Hubert Henry Harrison. We spoke in depth about Theodore Allen's book, The Invention of the White Race. But, you know, you had him, you had Joel Augustus Rogers, you had, again, um, K. Philip Randolph, you had Nella Larson, Zora Neale Hurston, don't forget we had women in this fight, you know, um, just a number of people. And when you go out and you do that research and you see them, you know, baby, I don't know how you felt, but I was overcome with pride. I was overcome with happiness. You know, I was just happy to see those faces, to see those names. You know, John G. Jackson, another pioneer, he taught here at Northeastern Illinois University, you know, in Chicago. Um, you know, one of my philosophy professors um, knew him and, you know, talked with him. So, you know, I was able to ask someone who had personal interaction with John G. Jackson about him. You know, and then I went to YouTube and started finding all of these wonderful, these beautiful videos. And, you know, right now I have me a little Roku, you know, system set up so I'm able to watch, you know, YouTube on my television and, you know, a lot of videos on different places. And so, you know, the technology is absolutely beautiful. I tell you guys, embrace the technology. You know, this is one of the reasons why we've been able to make some breakthroughs because of the technology and the innovation, you know, that has been moving forward. This is why we have a solid footing. This is why we're able to find each other. This is why and how we're able to create these groups. We now have black, Latino, and Asian groups all across the country. You know, internationally, you know, I hit up London Black Atheists um, yesterday. I tagged them on um, a, a thread that I had created on my wall because there's going to be a social justice week in London. So for those of you in that region, you know, that may be listening to me now or may catch the archives later, you know, go to Black Freethinkers wall, either my um, Facebook wall or either, either my public profile that I have out there. And I made that particular post public as well. And, again, you know, there are many of us in Black Freethinkers. So, you know, um, we post a lot of different information. So just wanted to make sure that you knew that. Um, in addition to that, you know, it's a lot of beautiful, wonderful things that are being done in this community. So, you know, we tell you to embrace it. I'm also telling you to pace yourself. You know, last week when I was talking about, you know, part of my growth process, if you will, I was talking about stages of grief. And I went into detail about those. You know, it is a process. And unfortunately, I've seen with some people, they get stuck in anger. And they've been angry for a long time. And I've seen a lot of that being projected, um, you know, in the community. And, you know, I, you know, I wish you love, baby. You know, um, I had to get beyond that. And I remember that part in my journey. And, I, you know, there's still some anger in, in certain regards, um, it's about wasted time, wasted opportunities, you know, a number of factors. And, you know, you have to learn how to get beyond that because, you know, life goes on. Life goes on. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm happy. And as I've stated before, I'm, I'm happy and I plan to stay that way. 
Um, you know, it's been interesting. And it took a while to get to this point. And when I came into the community, like I said, you know, seeing all of the people of color, you know, to know that I wasn't alone, you know, that gave me a lot of relief because, you know, you have people out here who will tell you that no one else thinks like that, that you're the only person that has those types of thoughts. You're the only one asking these types of questions. Expand your horizons. Expand your circle. Talk to people who don't look like you. Embrace other cultures, you know. Um, and, you know, I was doing that before because of where I was raised, you know, um, it was only 8% black. There were, Actually, it was only 2% black when we first moved there. Now they're up to a whopping 8% black population. So, you know, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures, and, you know, I learned a lot. But when I became, you know, a, you know, a certified free thinker, a certified humanist, if you will, you know, I opened my mind and my thought process even more and embraced other cultures on another level. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences that I've had and that I continue to have. So, you know, expand your horizons. Talk to people who do not look like you. Go to their homes. Have dinner. Invite them to yours. That's a good thing. That is a beautiful thing, you know, getting to know other people, experiencing their culture. People love to tell you about their culture and about their lives and bring you in to meet their families. They like doing that. And so, you know, a lot of the stereotypes and the negativities that I had learned throughout the years, you know, you know through media, through misunderstandings, through miscommunications, misconceptions, a lot of those were torn down. And I believe that helped quite a few of us, you know, in this growth process that, you know, learning from one another, talking to one another, understanding one another, this is how we're able to tear down, you know, some of these, um, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, so on and so forth, um, misconceptions and misunderstandings and, you know, you know, the ignorance. You know, because when I say ignorance, I'm talking more so about a lack of knowledge, and it's about going out there and attaining that particular particular knowledge, you know, what you're lacking in knowledge. And so, you know, again, still learning, still evolving, still growing. You know, that's a never-ending process. I will be learning until I take my last breath. So, you know, that's why we encourage you to open your minds. We encourage you, use the Internet. You know, there's a lot of good information out there. There's a lot of crap, too. And you have to learn how to discern. You have to learn how to read this information, how to research it, you know, fact check it, uh, all of that. You know, that's why, you know, sometimes I'll ask people to cite their sources. I'll cite my sources. Um, For those of you that are new to the community or that are still growing, because, again, we're trying to establish a self-place to land. That's one of the reasons why we launched People of Color Beyond Faith. And you can find our YouTube channel. We've done a number of live webcasts. We're going to do more in the future. That is, you know, the name of our conference, People of Color Beyond Faith. So, again, this is about embracing, you know, other cultures and breaking down some of these 
you know, social and cultural constructs that are out there and, you know, opening up the dialogue so that we can talk to one another, opening up the dialogue so that we can share one another, opening up the dialogue so that we can support, motivate, and love one another. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, again, you know, I appreciate you because, you know, this show in and of itself has helped me to grow. It's forced me to read things that I probably never would have um, naturally read because when I do a lot of these research, a lot of the research for this show, you know, sometimes people laugh because I'll quote from Wikipedia because, you know, Wikipedia is not the most reliable source because it can be edited by anyone, but it goes beyond just the, the, the information that someone wrote on Wikipedia. I always tell people, go below to look at the links. And I click on the links, and I go to those web pages, and I look at the bibliographies. I look at, you know, the, um, you know, the sources, and you know what they link to. That's very important, and this is what has led me to different books and, you know, different web pages and different people. You know, I've met a lot of beautiful people, so you know, I've been fortunate, and we've all been fortunate because I share it with you. And that's one thing that I want to make sure that we do not do: do not hoard the information. And you have some people in this community that will want to charge you for this information. And that's why I'm always doing um, parallels and, you know, doing, you know, contrast analysis with this community and the religious community because there are quite a few parallels, and I pointed out, and sometimes people are like, oh, Kim, where are you getting that from? And then they sit back and think about it, and it makes perfect sense. Trust me, I have sat back and thought about a lot of this. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it stick. sticks. You know, I, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of people watching. You know, um, I do watch my news feed on some days. You know, because there are some days when I'm just totally fatigued and tired and, you know, I just don't feel like talking or typing. Well, I don't type. I have um, a voice program. So it's just it's a little different. So um, it's interesting. Learn from other people. Learn from their examples. And last week, you know, I posted a video that featured Edwina Rogers, and for those that aren't familiar with her, she was the executive director of Secular.org, which is SCA's Secular Coalition of America or something to that effect. And basically, she was um, terminated from her position, and there were a lot of write-ups. Um, there was one in New York Times, one in Washington Post, in which they discussed that there was basically some indiscretions, if you will, um, not with her personally, but with a couple of people that worked under her in which some money, some funds were missing, so, you know, misappropriation of funds, if you will, and even though it had been reported to her, she did make a police report, so she did go through the necessary and proper channels. Um, to report that type of information, but she was released, and I'm sure all the details haven't been released yet, and so she's no longer part of that organization. So I released the video. She was on 
one of those Housewives shows. I think it's called The Real Housewives of D.C. I don't watch those reality shows, but someone sent me the link, and I was watching it. And basically, she went and bought sheets of money. You know, you can buy uncut sheets of money from the treasury. And she took those sheets of money, and she used it as gift wrapping paper. And so she was wrapping gifts in in this. And this is someone that at that time was living in an 18,000-square-foot home. 18,000 square feet. Most people haven't even been in, or let alone lived in, an 1,800-square-foot home. So, you know, there's, that's only 10% of her 18,000-square-foot home. And I'm sitting there, and, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things in this community, and I've, I've evaluated and looked at, you know, um, some of the people that they have in leadership positions, you know, leading these organizations that are sitting on the boards of these organizations. And, you know, quite a few of them are quite wealthy. And what I find ironic is, you know, some of these organizations, it's incessant begging, always needing money for A, B, C, D, and E. Now, mind you, these people take home a salary, a very good salary, you know, um, many of them commanding well over, you know, $100,000 a year just in their salary. In addition to, you know, uh, their book sales, in addition to the speaker fees and, you know, things of that nature. And I'm basically I'm talking about the white ones, you know, with, you know, the majority of the people of color that speak at these conferences and conventions you know, many of them are not getting any type of honorarium, nothing really to brag about, you know, 50 bucks, $100, really. And many of them still have to pay their way there. So they have to find transportation to and from these um, events. You know, they may provide them with a hotel room and give them a free table. But otherwise, you know, they're pretty much on their own. So, you know, a lot of money is coming out of pocket. And in some cases, people are taking time off from work. And, you know, some of the white, you know, speakers, you know, they're in the same position. They have to provide their own transportation to and from these places. Or if the transportation is, um, you know, funded for them, they still have to declare it on their taxes, and they had to pay taxes on that particular trip. So, you know, again, it's money coming out of pocket. So, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this woman wrap these gifts, you know, with cash and, you know, and cutting it. Because, you know, once you, you know, um, basically deface, you know, U.S. currency, unless you give them the part that's missing that you cut off, it's now worthless. And so, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and, you know, Seeing people in this community, and in particular people of color, you know, tripping over their feet to go to some of these conferences and to donate money to some of these people, and I haven't really seen any type of community service coming from the majority of these people. All I see are rude, inflammatory, offensive billboards in many cases and frivolous lawsuits. And, you know, some of the lawsuits are valid, and I want to make sure I state that before I get my hate mail. 
you know, um, hate emails that come in and, you know, rather interesting tweets and inboxes. And, you know, I do believe in separation of church and state. That That is something that I am 100% behind. So when I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about that per se. Um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, again, you know, I still have a problem with that billboard that was put up in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I've given my reasons behind that, and I stand strong on that particular conviction. And so from that time forth, it just put a really sour taste in my mouth, and it made me reevaluate this community and to open my eyes and to reevaluate some things and reevaluate some people in this particular community. And this is a part of my growth process. And this is how I end up embracing, if you will, my humanism a lot more. Um, you know, I, I always considered myself a free thinker. I am an atheist. And when I say atheist, the, the only thing that means is lack of belief. I do not believe in a God. I do not believe in a deity or a supreme being of any sort. And that's all the majority of us have in common is that lack of belief. There is no wrong way and no right way to be an atheist. An atheist is just an atheist. And so this week on the People of Color Beyond Faith, on our Twitter chat, you know, we were asking questions. And one of my questions is, what is real atheism? Because you'll hear that from people in this community. Oh, well, this is real atheism over here. That's fake atheism. I don't know what they're doing. What is real atheism? What is fake atheism? And, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, that's not on our agenda. So what they're talking about is mission drift. I have yet to receive this agenda. What is the official atheist agenda with the exception of separation of church and state? And I have yet to be able to ask, you know, to be able to answer that question, let alone get a straight answer from anyone. So this is why I'm telling you there is no right way and no wrong way to be an atheist. Going out into the community and, and you know, providing social justice and demanding social justice and protesting for social justice and, and doing community activism and, you know, grassroots activism, how is that wrong? Or how is that fake? I don't understand. And many of these organizations, what I find interesting is they want you to give all of your money to them, but yet they are not going out into our communities. I have not seen any real outreach to communities of color. And when I say communities of color, I'm going beyond the black atheists or Latino atheists or the Asian or Native indigenous, you know, so on and so forth, atheist communities. I'm going beyond it. I'm talking about our communities that we live in. And, you know, truth be told, even with, the, you know, the, the atheists of color in this community, there has not been a lot of outreach, if you will. There has been some. But, you know, again, you know, as, you know, we stated on the Twitter chat,
All right, guys, sorry about that. Um, lost my connection there for a minute. But, you know, picking back up where I had left off, and, you know, again, my apologies there. And, and those of you, yeah, it was there, there for a second. But, you know, going back to what I was talking about with, you know, um, atheists of color in this community, basically, you know, have not seen a lot of outreach. Um, you know, they have some atheists of color. They'll bring in here and there, but unfortunately, and again, going back to that SCA group, someone had to remind them, you know, again, it was just, you know, looking at their board, it was all white people, all white people. And someone had to remind them that people of color count, that people of color matter. And, you know, when I was looking at their list of 50, they had one Hispanic group and they had one black group. And the black group was number 50, and it was like they had forgotten about it, and they put it on at the last minute. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it because that's what it looks like. And so, you know, there was another group there probably, and then when someone said, oh, we have to put a black group on here, oh, okay, put them here, and it just happened to be number 50. And so, you know, I just find all of that, you know, interesting. Um, you know, we notice these things. And, you know, um, we had someone, you know, uh, tweet out to that particular group, uh, you know, what about diversity? Why do you have to be reminded about diversity? And, again, this is part of my growth and free thought. You know, this is how I've grown as an individual. These are things that I've noticed. These are things that I've seen. And, you know, I just find it interesting. And we're all learning. I understand they're learning as well. And and that's fine and well, and I understand. But, again, you know, many of us, you know, and again, I said this on the, you know, the Twitter chat last Thursday, many of us do not run in the same circles as some of these people in leadership, you know, whether it's personal, professional, or what have you, people of color. And so out of sight, out of mind, right? If we're not there, you don't even remember that we're there and that we exist until somebody reminds you, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, and, oh, yes, we better put one of them on here so that we won't have to deal with the complaints. You know, and, and it's just it's mind-boggling. And we've been reaching out, we've been, you know, protesting in certain ways against this for the past several years. And so it makes me wonder, is it falling on deaf ears, or do they just not care? And there are some that do care, you know, because I speak to a variety of people, and they do care, and they do want to learn, they do want to understand, they do want to know. And, you know, I've had hours-long conversations with some people, you know, explaining some things and, you know, how, you know, certain things work. You know, we've had conversations about white privilege. We've had conversations about white supremacy and all of these, you know, different issues that are right here. And basically, um, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey. And, you know, what I find alarming is, you know, we'll hear some of the people in this community and leadership, you know, making comments about people of color in other countries, you know, especially some of these people that are Islamophobes, 
you know, and I have issues with that as well. And when I say I have issues with that, I have issues with Islamophobia. And basically, they they try to relate to, some of them try to relate to people in other countries. And I'm like, how are you trying to relate to people in other countries when you can't even relate to the people in your own country? So how are you reaching out to different cultures when you don't even understand your own culture? And when I say your own culture, I'm talking about people in America, us as Americans, you know, because there are many subcultures within this particular culture. And so, you know, it's just been interesting. And so, you know, we've been pointing this out, and like I said, after a while it feels like an exercise of utility. And that's why many of us have gone in a different direction, if you will, that's why, you know, many of us, and especially with the People of Color Beyond Faith Project and with Black Skeptics Group and, you know, a lot of our affiliate and branch groups out there, which is why we've kind of, you know, pulled back and we're sitting back and we're watching and we're kind of going in a different direction because we have not gotten the support that, we, that we've needed from the atheist community as a whole. And when I say the atheist community as a whole, I'm not only talking about, you know, the mainstream atheist community, I'm even talking about um, atheists of color, you know, have not gotten, the, you know, some of the support that we need. And ironically, ironically, a lot of the support that we've gotten has been from faith-based communities, which I find quite ironic. Um, when, you know, I first put up the fundraiser in the Moving Social Justice for Hire, um, there was this, you know, faith-based blog that wrote about it. And they basically were asking the question, should we work alongside atheists in promoting, you know, social justice? And, of course, they had one person that answered no, you know, they had to believe in Jesus, so on and so forth. And the, the woman who runs that blog, she says, well, why not work with them? If they have solutions, why not work with them? And, you know, I would like to tell Ann Brock, thank you. I appreciate that. That shows an open mind. It shows that we're making inroads as far as, you know, our dialoguing with, you know, communities of faith, with people of faith. You know, again, you know, we're not here to convert you. We're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, but not only with communities of faith, but even within the free thought and humanist community. Open your mind. Grow. Grow. There's room for growth. There's room for improvement. Always. Always. So, again, you know, you know, we're getting support, you know, and, you know, I would like, oh, before, you know, I, I would be remiss if I did not, you know, acknowledge our sponsors for the, you know, Moving Social Justice Conference. Um, Secular Student Alliance is sponsoring us. CFI Los Angeles is sponsoring us. African Americans for Humanism is sponsoring us. LA Progressive is um, sponsoring us. Morningside Paper is sponsoring us. And so, you know, we thank them. We do have allies in this community, so I want to make sure that, you know, that is stated. You know, we do have people, you know, um, that have donated towards these causes. And, you know, we appreciate that. Um, Dr. Hutchinson released a blog, I believe it was last week or the week before, in which she challenged, you know, white atheists in regards to their talk and, you know, their 
you know, bravado, if you will, in regards to STEM education. And for those that aren't familiar with STEM, S is for science, T is for technology, E is for engineering, and M is for mathematics. She's giving a conference this September, and I'll post that blog again a little bit later on today on my wall as well as I'll put it on Tumblr and Twitter and Google+. You can find us in all those places. And, you know, basically she was saying with the white atheists and the white secular community, she was pointing out some of the hypocrisy because they generally like to use science as a gotcha point when debating Christians. But is it all talk? Is it all rhetoric? Because, you know, they're not, you know, contributing money to, you know, organizations of color that are, you know, that are putting forth STEM programs. Um, There was a pledge by one particular organization, and the money never came through. And that was money that was going to be utilized towards this conference that's coming up. So, you know, it takes money, it takes funds, it takes volunteers, it takes support, you know, to make these things happen, and we're just not getting it. You know, you know, we're getting some, but not enough. And, you know, we're looking also, again, you know, I just can't point the finger at the mainstream. I'm also looking at, you know, the atheists of color as well. You know, and one of the things, you've heard me talking about this on the show, you know, <laughs> there are some people that will not come offline for anything. And we understand that there are some people who are not out as atheists, as free thinkers, as humanists, non-believers, what have you. They're not out. We understand that. That's why we put these podcasts on. That's why we put the webcasts on. That's why we, you know, write these blogs and have all of this information out here because we understand what it feels like to feel like you're alone and that nobody understands you. We do understand you, and you're not alone, baby. That's why we're putting this out here. But I'm talking about some of the ones that, can come to these conferences or can support us or can volunteer with these social justice projects, where are you? Where are you? And unfortunately, you have a lot of online atheists. You have a lot of online humanists and free thinkers, and they get online and they pontificate about their atheism and they, you know, disparage and chastise and scold you know, the black community, and I'm using the black community because that's what I'm a part of. This is what I know, okay? And, you know, and But when we put together projects like this, we can't get some of these people, some of the same people complaining to come out and do anything. And if you can't come out, you have $5 that you can contribute towards it, you know, and, you know, we are totally transparent. We will show you where every dime went, Every dot. And then there are some people laboring under the delusion that we're wealthy. No, we're not. We work day jobs just like everybody else. We have bills just like everybody else. And we don't take a salary. We don't get any money. There's money coming out of our pockets. There's nothing coming in, trust me, not a thing. And one of the you know, reasons why, you know, we point out some of these things with some of these mainstream organizations is because you see the same people 
over and over, the same people on the boards, the same people, you know, on the speakers lineup, and the same people becoming, you know, um, more and more empowered, um, more money going in their pockets. Trust me, there are some people they're paying $50,000 just to show up. And in addition to paying them that $50,000, they're paying for all of their expenses in addition to their entourage. So, you know, again, I'm showing some of the parallels between them and what we see in some of these ministries, and it's important for you all to see that it's understanding. It's your money. Do as you wish. If you want to contribute to that, fine. You know, no one is telling you not to, and by no you know, by no means am I saying not to support these other organizations because they need support as well. You know, but what I'm saying is, you know, we're showing you what we're doing. You see what we're doing, what we're going into and, and how we're giving back. And we are making inroads into, you know, communities of faith. And so, again, you know, we're just saying that, you know, even if you can only send a note saying, good job, you know, I'm sure Dr. Hutchison would love to hear from you. You know, um, we appreciate that, you know, because we understand, you know, it was rough out here. It's been real hard. You know, this economy has, you know, hit a lot of communities of color in the worst way. You know, they are claiming that we're in a recovery. And I posted an article earlier this week that stated that blacks and Latinos are not recovering from you know, as, as readily or as easily as white communities. And especially with the housing bubble that burst, um, it devastated many of our communities. A lot of the wealth was wiped out. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that you guys understand that. And, you know, we put that information out there. You know, we talked to different people in the community. And one of the things that, you know, and I'm just going to go on out and say it because, you know, people are saying, oh, well, we have a black board member and, you know, we put this person on the board and we've talked to this person and this is what they said and, you know, we're going and that. You need to talk to more than one person. And you need to talk to people that's outside of that particular circle, if you will. Because many of those people, in, in, in some cases, those particular people are chosen purposefully because they do not challenge you. They do not necessarily challenge your thought process. And in certain situations, some of these people are, you know, continuing to perpetuate white supremacy. And many of them want some of the same privileges or all the same privileges that they see bestowed on, you know, many of these white atheists. And I hate to bust your bubble, but it's never going to happen. You know, I see people out here, some people, you know, branding themselves as firebrand atheists. You cannot necessarily go out and do and say the same things that, other people in this community have gone out and said and done. You know, you can't, you know, and, and I see it all the time. You know, you see some of these same people recapitulating the words of Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris. You'll never be them. Why would you want to be them? Be yourself. And, you know, it, it's just it's really interesting because some of these people, you know, quote them 
in the same manner that you see some theists quoting, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus, and all those people from the Bible. And I've pointed this out on a number of occasions. So is this just a matter of transference? And, I mean, and this is what I'm talking about when I say your growth and free thought. I want you to self-reflect. I want you to introspect. Go inside of yourself. Question yourself. Look at where you've come from. And when I say that, where were you a year ago in your thought process? Where were you five years ago in your thought process? Where were you ten years ago? I just want you to see your natural progression. Are you progressing? Are you growing? And, you know, that this is very important. This helps you to grow as an individual. But, you know, I do believe in individuality, but I also believe in collectivism. Because in order to affect real change, we're going to have to work collectively. We're going to have to work as a group. And, you know, there are some things that I've noticed in this community, um, and I'm disturbed by it, very disturbed by it. And, you know, even with some of the black activists, in this community, not all, but some, you know, when I see them out there talking about the pathologies in the black community and I listen to their talks or watch the videos, you know, I cringe. I cringe. And some of these people are sought after. Well, I won't even say they're sought after. They volunteer themselves. Trust me, nobody's looking for them for the most part. They volunteer themselves you know, which is why they continue to be in a certain position, whereas there's still money coming out of their pocket. But, um, you know, with some of the things that they talk about, there is a lack of education in the talk. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of pertinent information is left out of those talks. And I don't believe that it's done deliberately per se. I just believe that with some of these people, they have not taken the time out to educate themselves on a lot of these topics. They have not reached out to people that can, you know, send them links or send them, you know, the names of books that they have to read. And so... I'm looking at all of that, and, you know, in, in in many cases, you know, I believe that many of these educated white people know that those people's, you know, talks and speeches are lacking, and they're chosen for a specific reason. Number one, you know, some of these people are controllable, and when I say controllable, basically they're following and towing the atheist line and agenda. You know, there's no need for me to sugarcoat it. I don't feel like sugarcoating anything today. And it's unfortunate because we learn by being challenged. We learn from reading. We learn from, you know, gleaning a better understanding. And, it's you know, it's just really unfortunate. So yesterday I posted an article um, that was written by Barrier Breaker, and I posted it on my wall and in a number of other places. And in this particular article, it was 
stated or called six reasons why there aren't more blacks in the atheist community. And I'm just going to shoot off the six real fast, and we can go a little bit more in depth in it. No, we're just going to talk about it. You know, because the first um, reason that they put there is because sometimes you seem desperate and needy and it's kind of creepy. Now, let's talk about that. Atheist community is primarily white, predominantly white. And diversity is needed. You know, intersectionality is needed you know, in order for that community to grow. However, (laughs) you know, and this person, they summed it up quite eloquently. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, the time they took out to write this. And if you go back and you look at the series that I did, um, excuse me, on the God concept, you know, I, I spoke about the difference between white Christianity and black Christianity. You know, I was showing the contrast between them. And for those that have listened to the show for a while, even new people, you'll hear me contrasting the white secular community and the black secular community. And, you know, there are a lot of parallels there because, again, it goes back to certain stereotypes. And you see a lot of this perpetuated by, you know, atheists of color as well, telling, you know, um, religious people or Christians or, you know, Muslims or we'll just say religious people in general, telling them that, you know, their thinking is primitive and that their thinking is dangerous and, you know, that they're violent and, you know, and, and all of these things. And this is what was told to you know, the slaves, (laughs) in order to convert them to Christianity and in order to get them to become Christians, which means make them docile and controllable. And and it's interesting when you look at some of the parallels and some of the reasons why they're telling blacks why they need to become atheists and to become part of the atheist community. And, you know, quite a bit of this is being perpetuated by black atheists. Now, I'll be the first one to admit, when I first came out and I was angry, excuse me, that I said some of the same things. I can admit that. But I grew from that. I learned. I had people that set me down and set me straight and talked to me and explain to me why that was wrong or why that was dangerous um, and and why, you know, just why I shouldn't say certain things. And they gave me the proof, the evidence, if you will, as to, you know, where that came from. And I was absolutely floored. I was floored. I've gone back to apologize not only to, you know, um, believers, but also to, you know, black atheists or any atheists that I may have influenced, you know, with those words. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. And so, you know, this person that wrote this article, they were just, you know, questioning some things. And then they also questioned some of the white atheists in this community and how they treat black atheists and how some of them, 
you know, act superior to the black atheists. And, you know, it was just, you know, it's, it's interesting because you do see that. And, you know, um, in one particular thread in which, you know, uh, the one with Edwin Rogers' video, you know, I had one white guy, he said, persecuted much? Now, you know, it was, you know, the picture was a white guy, but I really believe that it was, you know, a person of color with a fake profile. And so... Um, you know, so it was just interesting. But you see a lot of that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just it's really interesting um, how that goes about. But it's a lot of history out here that you all aren't being taught. You know, a lot of people aren't familiar with black atheists that were affiliated with the Harlem Renaissance and even before then. You know, um, I actually want to do some shows on the civil rights movement. You know, I'm kind of planning out a three-part series on the civil rights movement. I'm planning out um, a couple of shows on slavery and not necessarily pointed towards slavery in America, even though we will talk about that. But I'm going to talk about slavery in Canada I'm going to talk about slavery in other places like Puerto Rico, um, over in South America, and, you know, other places like that. I feel that's a conversation that needs to be had. I'm, I also want to talk about um, blacks and the Holocaust. You know, a lot of people aren't familiar that blacks were killed alongside Jews as well as gay people. Um, during the Hitler um, regime there. And so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about King Leopold. I want to talk about um, the Holocaust camp that was in Namibia and, you know, a number of other things. You know, that, that information needs to be out there because a lot of people don't know. You know, um, I also want to talk about, you know, different contributions. They came from different places. You know, I spoke on Canada um, a few minutes ago, and I've talked about different things you know, regarding the Canadian culture and African influence on certain parts of Canadian culture, you know, like hockey. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot of the rules and regulation and the standard hockey that you're watching now was created by Africans and Indians. The slap shot, a lot of the rules, that was created by Africans and Indians, in particular from Nova Scotia up there in Canada. So, you know, it's a lot of information that you don't know. But anyway, let me get back on topic. I um, derailed myself. But, you know, um, this was a great article, you know, six reasons why there aren't more blacks in the atheist community. And, you know, what I find interesting is that I'll go and I'll look at the board on, you know, the board of directors or, you know, part of the leadership team for a number of these white um, secular organizations, and <laughs> you know, I'll see you know, person of color here and there, and in many cases, you know, these aren't people that are going to challenge them and challenge their thought process. And you know, some of these people are saying that they're there to help affect change and to bring together a dialogue, and that's not necessarily true. They're there to promote themselves and to promote their friends. Just pay attention. I want you guys to pay attention to that. Pay attention to what has happened um, and what you see happening in the atheist community, you know, by the blacks and the whites. And so um, 
You know, it's, it's really interesting. And, you know, one of the things that we try to explain is that when those of us that have been a part of the black church and black Christianity in particular, when we declare our non-belief or atheism or humanism, we lose a lot. You know, it's like becoming a social pariah. You know, in many cases, you're ostracized and you're shunned, not only by the people that you attended church with, but your friends, and in, in some cases, your, even your family. So we're losing and we're giving up quite a bit. And I'm not saying that white atheists do not experience the same things, but in most cases for white atheists, you know, the rejection isn't nearly as bad as what, you know, we experience. And so that's why we understand why there aren't a lot of black atheists that are out. You know, we've had people call this show and admit that they still attended church because of the benefits. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when he was speaking, you know, in this particular article, he was stressing um, the importance of the black church and what the black church has had to offer and how the black church over hundreds of years, how it built up certain barriers and support systems to fight against white supremacy and to shield us from, you know, a lot of white supremacy. And so you've heard me challenging, you know, the atheist community, the white as well as, you know, atheists of color um, communities as to, you know, the ones that are trying to dismantle the black church. What do you have to offer the communities? Because in many cases, when those services are gone, where are the people going to go? Who are they going to depend on? And, you know, again, with some of the libertarian and conservative thought processes in this community, you know, their response is survival of the fittest. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's what you'll hear. You know, I've heard that from, you know, some black atheists talking about we need to bootstrap. No. No, no, no. Where are the boots? Where are the damn shoestrings? Where are the straps? And I have so many reasons to have so many problems with this, and I've stated it throughout the show for those that are longtime listeners. This is nothing new. This is not the first time that you've heard me talk about this, and it won't be the last time you hear me talk about this. Where are they going to go? And when I don't see community activism, when I don't see, you know, social justice activism in the community, and in particular, you know, when I see people of color not out here and not caring and saying, well, let them get theirs, I got mine, you know, we can't have that kind of attitude. But in addition to that, all I see is laziness. I'm going to call it out for what it is. I see laziness. And in one particular case, this one, you know, um, woman, you know, um, I've seen her make, you know, detrimental comments about women in particular in general. You know, trust me, this particular woman is not a feminist, even though she attempts to espouse that at times, you know, very contradictory. Um, I've seen her say, you know, basically that these women of color need to stop having all of these children and, you know, that they brought these situations upon themselves. 
Well, if you weren't married, you wouldn't be able to afford the children that you have. Keep that in mind. So um, it's just it's interesting, you know, how all of that comes back. And, again, you know, in this article he was talking about um, how some white atheists basically seem to be recruiting some blacks to get out here and create a buffer zone between the black Christian community and atheism, you know, and trying to, you know, put that wedge there. And one of the reasons why they're having a hard time recruiting many of us is because we're not too keen on that. And that is absolutely the truth. I'm not going to allow you to use me to destroy the black community or the black church. Not going to happen. And I've made that clear on a number of occasions, and so has many of us. Um, I want to work with the black community. I want to work with black Christians, and again, progressive liberal Christians. And there are some of you out there that are grimacing now that are like, oh, no, Kim, no, we can't work with them. You know, black atheists of the past have worked with them. You know, A. Philip Randolph worked with, you know, black religious people. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar with A. Philip Randolph, he and Bayard Rustin were the chief organizers on the March on Washington. They wrote many of the speeches that Martin Luther King gave. Now, let me give some history behind that. Let's put this in context. Because a lot of Christians labor under the misconception that the Civil Rights Movement was a Christian movement. That is untrue. The Civil Rights Movement was, always has been, and always will be a secular movement, which is why I want to do a three-part series on it so that you can understand the historicity here. What you've, you've been given a lot of ahistorical information, and we need to put it in context, but the Civil Rights Movement is a secular movement. When that particular phase or wave of the Civil Rights Movement of the 50s and the 60s Yes, Martin Luther King was the figurehead, but there were a lot of other people in the background who did not necessarily get the recognition that they deserved, and many of them were, you know, written out of the history, which is unfortunate, but that's why we're coming to right the wrong. We're coming to factor them back into that history and to make that history known. And so... Basically, you know, we had a lot of black atheists working with, you know, religious people. And again, you know, I point out A. Philip Randolph quite a bit because that's my hero. I love that man. Him and Hubert Henry Harrison. If you want to know who influences me the most, those two gentlemen and James Baldwin, of course. And so, you know, and Zora Neale Hurston, of course. I mean, I didn't go on. I love them all. But, you know, these are some of the same people that worked with the church as opposed to work against the church, because we understand, you know, why the church is in place, why it's put there, why, you know, what they had to go through in order to shield themselves and to maintain their sanity. And, again, go back to listen to my three-part series 
on the God concept, part one, two, and three, part two was particularly powerful. You know, they were all great shows, but, you know, part two, you know, really, you know, floors it. And basically, um, we're not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Now, my question to you is, why do you think they want the black Christian community to implode? Now, when, you know, I talk about Christianity in general, it has been used to do a lot of evil, okay? So I don't want any inboxes or emails saying, but, you know, a lot of, yes, a lot of evil has been done in Christianity. A lot of evil is still being done under the guise in the cover, in the shield of Christianity. We know this. This is why that needs to be exposed. This is why we put that information out there. When we see churches, you know, basically electing to allow a pedophile to head their church, and I'm talking about Gilliard down in Florida, they basically banned children from the church because he was a registered sex offender. He was a pedophile, went to jail for it, but they wanted him to head that church because he preaches well and he brings people in, but he cannot be around children, so they banned the children. So, I mean, for some of us, that's kind of a good thing because we feel that, you know, some of this indoctrination with these children, that's child abuse. That's how many of us feel. You know, you're not allowing that child to exercise their critical thought. You know, in many cases, you know, the curiosity is quenched and stamped out of a lot of these children. You know, they're being told not to ask so many questions or they ask too many questions. And, you know, the same thing with adults. They they tell the adults the same thing they tell the children. But, um, you know, guys, you got to read this um, article. You know, number six, it says you're obsessed with a quick solution. There is no quick solution. There are no get-rich-quick schemes, you know, which unfortunately... I see some people in this community, you know, they they see this as a come-up. You know, they're trying to get the celebrity. They're trying to get them a big bag of money. They're trying to do this quickly. That's not what this is about. And, you know, I've said this on several occasions. There is absolutely no money in atheism. No money. We're not getting paid. We're doing this out of love. We're doing this out of commitment to our community. You know, this mm-mm. so you know that's what I'm saying. So when I tell you all to question everything, I mean everything. Even with you know a lot of what you're seeing and what you're being taught in this atheist community, because you know there are a number of things that I've questioned, and I'm like that doesn't seem right. Yes. You know, they do use logical fallacies in this community. There is a lot of cognitive dissonance in this community. They do use a lot of no true Scotsmen because when I was talking earlier, when I was saying, well, you know, there were some people out here that would say this is real atheism. That's fake atheism. What is fake atheism? How can you fake not believing? You understand? And so this is why, you know, I'm like you're donating money to put up offensive billboards. You're donating money to people who are going to, quote, unquote, try atheism for a year. But you're not donating money to, you know, atheists of color organizations that are putting on STEM programs, that are, you know, advocating social justice and out here in the community doing work. 
I don't understand that. And I can't understand it for anybody else. I'm talking about me, Kim. You know, if you got a problem and you want to say something to me, my email address is blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Again, blackfreethinkers at gmail.com. Because, you know, I had someone attempt to admonish me the other day because they felt that my tone, if you will, was that of preachers, you know, and they felt that it was a strong-arm tactic, that it was a shakedown. Now, they don't know that I realize, you know, who they're friends with, and then they had to back it up when I gave, you know, three different articles after they asked for proof. And so, I mean, I know who they talk to. I know who they're friends with. I know who they're associated with, and I know the bullshit behind it. Okay, let's just call it out for what it is. And then all of a sudden it went from them not having, you know, having a problem with the context to, well, I don't have a problem with the context because the articles that I posted were by someone that they admire. And so then they went and turned into the tone police. And, you know, I'm telling them and I'm telling anyone else, I don't give a fuck what you believe or how you feel about my tone. Why? Fuck you. That's why. I don't care. I'm going to use the tone that I use, and this is what I believe, and, you know, I am not going to allow you or anyone else to attempt to silence me. It's just not going to happen. So you need to get that through your head. So, yes, I do have a problem with a lot of atheists of color giving money to these white organizations and not seeing any type of return on that money. I do believe in return on investment. You know, and you know, you may not, you know, get a T shirt, you may not get a mug, you may not get any type of physical return, but knowing that we are affecting positive change in the community. The same communities that you live in. How is that not getting a return on the investment? You know, providing these programs and these resources to these children. No child should go to school and start the school year out feeling bad because their parents couldn't get them a haircut or their parents couldn't buy them, you know, an outfit to start the school year out with or they didn't have any pencils or paper to start the school year out with. Come on. Come on. Seriously. And so... You know, I will continue to voice my opinion. I will continue to, you know, stand and deliver my truth. You don't have to agree with it. Never said you had to agree with it. That's on you. You have a mind just like I have one. And I'm going with what I believe. I'm going with how I feel. And so, you know, I'm, again, talking about these six different reasons. I gave you six. I skipped the other ones. But number five, he said, because sometimes, honestly, your predominantly white atheist community seems worse than the black church. Correct. Especially with the tribalism. And, you know, we were talking about that on the Twitter chat the other day. And, you know, I, I talked about how, you know, atheists, point the finger and and really come down on the black church and the black Christian community and the black community in general for tribalism when they do the same thing over here. Absolutely the same thing. There are some organizations, if I didn't know any better, I would swear it was a gang, but that's just me. And so, you know, um, it's, it's just interesting because 
I was under the misconception, the delusion, call it for what it was, that it would be easier over here in the atheist community. I thought that I wouldn't have to deal with as much racism. I wouldn't have to deal with as much sexism. You know, that I would deal with enlightened individuals. Trust me, some of the stuff, it's been worse over here. It has been absolutely worse. That's why I tell people this is not a utopia. I've dealt with more racism in this community than I did when I was on the other side of the equation. I've dealt with more sexism. The homophobia, oh, my goodness, I was was just surprised to see it coming from black and white atheists in some cases. And then you have some black atheists shielding and covering some known homophobes. That is the reason why when, you know, Raina writes her blogs that I post it all over the place. You can't say that you didn't know. You can't say that nobody didn't tell you because we did. There are a lot of black nationalists hiding out in this community. Atheism is a good cover. You know, she just wrote another piece that we put out this week. And, you know, um, there's another one coming. You know, because what I find interesting, you know, with, you know, um, this particular individual, <laughs> he won't declare whether he's an atheist. He won't declare, he says, he won't, he won't declare who or what he is. And in some of his videos, he'll say, you know, don't serve the white gods, serve the black gods. But yet he's catering to an atheist community. It's a cover. It's smoke and mirrors. And there are quite a few black nationalists in this community and they, they're using atheists as a cover. They have issues with the black church, black Christianity. And, yes, they want that destroyed. And, yes, they want that to come down. But they don't talk about the issues that are happening in their community. So, you know, I just want you all to question everything. Question it. Research it. Understand it. You know, because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in this community, a lot of smoke and mirrors. You know, sometimes things are not what they seem to be. And so, you know, um, you go out here and I want you guys to learn. The number four reason is we can tell you from the results when you're more interested in showing that you care than actually caring. You know, there's a lot of that in this community. Oh, we care about the black community. We care about the Latino community. We care about the Asian community. We care about diversity and intersectionality. And the only time you care is when you're, when you got more than two black people in your audience. The only time you care is when you're, you know, doing one of your begathons. The only time you care is when somebody calls it out. Because if you cared, you would not have forgotten to put a person of color as part of your global, you know, outreach group there. You know, the black atheist group wouldn't be number 50 on your list. It was like, oh, yeah, we forgot about them. Okay, so we're just going to add them, you know, here, put them there as an afterthought. Seriously? Seriously. And like I said, you know, and I've said this before, and I'm standing on it, the only thing many of them care about are being able to say that they have more than two black members and being able to take the black money. I've said it. I don't see them doing anything in communities of color. 
I don't see them contributing to any of the organizations that are trying to, you know, get out here in the communities of color. Some of them have and some of them are. You know, this is not an indictment of all of them. So I just want to make sure that that's understood. You know, number three, you try to relate to us by acknowledging others' racism through your questions and anecdotes, which reminds us of racism, which makes us uncomfortable. That's true. There is a lot of racism in this country. But, you know, my question to you guys is, you know, especially over in the atheist community, (laughs) you know, with that letter to the community, that, that open letter a few years ago, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm reading it, and basically, you know, they were worried about the Atheism Plus movement and the feminists in the community. This was their way of trying to corral that group of people and to control them and to kind of squelch, you know, their speaking out. And, you know, I had a problem with that, but they did not address racism one time. And you have people in this community that feel that there is no racism in this community. You have people in this community that feel that once they became an atheist, that their racism went away, that their homophobia went away, that their misogyny went away, that their sexism and so on and so forth went away. That is not true. And when you say that, it reminds me of religious people. So that's why I was, you know, kind of cutting up on, you know, Twitter the other day, and I was like, yeah, they were baptized in the pious blood of the four horsemen. And I said they were dumped in the atheist pool of purity, and all of that went away, right, like magic. Hmm? You tell believers that they have magical thinking, you're doing the same damn thing. Just because you are now an atheist, that does not mean that you are no longer a racist, because even some of the more progressive liberal atheists, white atheists out here, there are still some biases. In many cases, it's subconscious, and I appreciate the ones that are out here reaching out and want to get a better understanding and do not mind when we challenge them and we educate them on why this makes us uncomfortable. Why, yo, dude, that's not cool. Don't say that. Don't do that. There is a reason why we do that. And there are some of you all out here believe in the hype, and I'm like, stop it. Please, don't do that. Stop question everything. Everything. You know, because, I mean, um, on one question and answer session, um, you know, there <laughs> a couple of white people, you know, get up and ask questions, and I just felt like I just wanted to crawl back under my covers, you know, because I had just finished taking a nap and someone brought it to my attention. I had to take another nap afterwards because it gave me an instant headache. They got up there and they questioned and they said, do black people like to go to church because they like to dance and party and they can go to church on Sunday and get the same thing they got on Saturday night? Come on. Come on. And the person answered that question, you know, and he was talking and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him and I'm like, wrong answer. And I'm like, that was a teachable moment and you missed a teachable moment. So, you know, there are a lot of black atheists in this community that are not trained up, that do not understand and have not been educated. Some of them are undereducated. Some of them are just plain outright uneducated. And I do believe in self-education. I do believe in autodidactic learning. So even though you may not have alphabet behind your name, pick up a damn book. Come on. But, you know, seriously, you know, I'm sitting here, 
and I'm looking at this, and it's a lot of things that are happening in this community that makes us extremely uncomfortable. That is why you see us backing up and backing away and why we will not co-sign and signify on quite a bit in the atheist community. And the same thing happens with the religious, the Christian communities. The same thing happens in the black community. There's enough blame to go around, but right now I'm talking about the atheist community, okay? You know, if you're going to send me a five-page dissertation talking about what's wrong with the Christian community, make sure you add another five pages talking about the atheist community. Let's keep it fair and balanced. I try my best to do that. Um, the number two reason he gave was because sometimes you seem intent on convincing us we need you, and it's a bit insulting. That's self-explanatory. That's self-explanatory. You did the same thing with Christianity. And there are parallels. This is how many of us became Christians in the first place, you know, with the Africans. Now, you know, I explained to someone the other day about, you know, the Africans that came here had their own spirituality. And, you know, Christianity was practiced in certain places in Africa. Where do you think the Ethiopic Bible came from? I have one. I read it. So, I mean, you have to put these things in historical context to get a better understanding. You have to learn about culture outside of Western culture. Read. And this is the thing, you know, I'm admonishing, you know, a lot of people of color right now, but I'm also admonishing white people because quite a few white people don't know history. They don't understand and know their own history. This is where a lot of that racism comes from. They don't understand the history. It's a quote James Baldwin, you know, white people, you know, white people are caught up in a history that they don't understand. Okay, so, you know, I'm just sitting here, and, you know, it's been an interesting journey. It's been a real interesting journey. I've learned a lot about myself, and I've also learned a lot about other people. And like I said, sometimes things aren't what they seem to be. Sometimes things aren't what you think they are. You hear me saying all the time that perception is not necessarily reality. That is a truth. Just because you perceive things to be one way, that does not necessarily mean that that is the correct way. I had someone inbox me the other day, and just like, you know, I was talking about the one young woman earlier and how they were talking about, you know, um, teenage pregnancy and illegitimate pregnancies and all of these things and quote-unquote pathologies in the black community. It's not just the black community. It's all communities. And if you go back and you read the information, do some study and educate yourself, actually, you know, um, the pregnancy rate in the black community is actually going down. And in particular, black teenagers is going down because they're getting more and more educated. But more importantly, there is not a Planned Parenthood on every corner. There, there are not very many Planned Parenthoods in communities of color. So there is a lack of access to birth control. You see what's happening with a lot of these Christian corporations and with the Catholic Church and some of these other churches, black churches, white churches, out here not wanting to um, have their insurance provide birth control to their employees or even their employees' children. There's a reason for that. 
You know, so, you know, if they're not getting the birth control, if they're being taught abstinence in school and they're not being taught about safe sex, they're not being taught about the different prophylactics out there and, you know, being taught about different types of methods to protect yourself, yeah, we're going to have pregnancy. Yeah, we're going to have STD, STI rates off the charts. Yes, we're going to have HIV charts off the chart, rates off the chart, you know. And so I'm just sitting here because, again, we can go out into the community and we can educate people. We're starting out, you know, what we're doing now, we're going out here, we're going to be handing out informational. We're going to be putting that out there, doing on-site testing, you know, swab the inside of your mouth. 20 minutes later, we can tell you your status, whether you're HIV positive or negative. This is needed. Your community needs you, period. And I'm even talking about, you know, the poor white communities. You know, they're being just as affected as, you know, communities of color. You know, the lack of education, and yes, many of these communities are voting against their own interests, but that's why we have to educate them. We have to get out here. But if we cannot talk to each other, if we cannot dialogue with one another, if we cannot educate one another in our own community, how the hell do we expect to have a conversation with the theist community? That's the same question that I pose to the religious community. You have all of these different denominations. You know, you have the Catholics and you have the Protestants. You have, you know, the Baptists. You got the First Baptist. You got the Missionary Baptists. You know, you have Kojic. You got all of this. You know, Southern Baptists. You all can agree and talk to each other. So how do you expect to talk to us? So, you know, I I pose the same questions on both sides, if you will. So I just think it's important. It's important. I'm going to go through six reasons in order. You know, I won't do that to you today. The first reason is, and I'm talking about the article, six reasons why there aren't more blacks in the atheist community. First reason, because sometimes you seem desperate, desperately needy, and it's kind of creepy. The second reason is because sometimes you seem intent on convincing us we need you, and it's a bit insulting. Third reason is you try to relate to us by acknowledging others' racism through your questions and anecdotes, which reminds us of racism, which makes us uncomfortable, but yet you don't want to address the racism in this community. I'm going to get back to that because I'm not done with that yet. Um, Number four, we can tell from the results when you're more interested in showing that you care than actually caring. You can show all the interest in the world, but if you're not out here doing things to help better these communities, not only communities of color, but poor white communities as well, I don't want to leave them out. It's important, you know, because, I mean, I talk to people all the time, and, you know, I'm part of the black community. This is what I know. But I do see the injustices in poor white communities as well. That's why sometimes when we talk about white privilege, some of the poor whites get offended by it, but they still have the privilege of having white skin. And they don't necessarily understand that, and that's why we, you know, have to explain some of these things. Number five is because sometimes, honestly, your predominantly white atheist community seems worse than the black church. Hmm. And number six. Number six is you're obsessed with a quick solution. There's nothing quick about it. And I'm going to go back to that racism part. Um, You know, we have one of the so-called leaders in the atheist community saying that they have not met any homophobes in this community, yet they were doing a screening with one, their new best black friend, 
um, is a homophobe, and we've given evidence, and even though we've had some atheists of color come out to defend that individual, stating that, well, they don't think he's like that anymore, again, we tell the religious people to give us evidence and proof. They have yet to give that to us. And that article was released um, December 30th or December 31st. We have yet to see the proof of that. So he has videos and talks and blogs, you know, um, talking about the feminization of black men and, you know, being very sexist and homophobic. Um, where are the videos showing his support? There are none. We'll stop talking about it when you show us the evidence and the proof. Now, what I'm talking about, we can give you evidence and proof from. You know, that's why I laughed the other day when the, the, the woman that was admonishing me was saying, give me proof. I'm like, here you go. And then all of a sudden, the admonishment changed. Oh, the content is fine. Now it's your tone. Oh, first it was the content and the tone until you saw who wrote the content. Hmm. Funny how that works. Um, you know, there is a lot of racism in this community, and they don't want to address it. They act like it's not even there. They won't address it. And in many cases, a lot of people of color are ignored in this community. You know, I've talked to Latino atheists that feel like they're being ignored. I've talked to Asian atheists that feel like they're being ignored by the mainstream. And so, you know, it's just it's, 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 it's interesting because I never expected to have that experience, or at least to this extent, in this community. And another thing that I need to break down real quick, there are a lot of atheists, and in particular, atheists of color. Yeah, no, it's just across the board, because I've seen this with white atheists as well. A lot of atheists believe that once they become atheists, they automatically become an intellect. Wrong. You know, big buzzer, big thumbs down, no. There are a lot of... um, atheists that, you know, your intellect is questionable. So, um, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, we talk about that, you know, and again, it's a lot that needs to be done. And again, our number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. You press 1. If you want to talk, um, you know, you know, I've said quite a bit. You know, we're down to our last ten minutes, and you know, these these are things, you know, that in some cases they absolutely vex me. And this is part of my growth and free thought and humanism. So not only am I, you know, growing in my understanding as to, you know why I have certain issues with religion. You know, I'm growing into why I have certain issues with free thought atheism as well. And so I just think that it's important that we continue to explore. I think it's important that we continue to question, even in the atheist community, question things. Because there are some people in this community that takes everything at face value and they're not researching some of the stuff they're being told. They're not researching, you know, in some cases there are some people that are uncomfortable with some of the things that are being said and done in this community, but they don't speak out. There are some people, you know, we speak out. We're speaking out. 
And we're being labeled as troublemakers and being labeled as whiners and being labeled as complainers. And what I find interesting is some of the very same people that are labeling us that are the people that are sitting on some of the boards of these organizations. And what we do is we make their jobs harder because then when the people on these boards and other white people who may not be on the boards come asking them questions about, you know, dilemmas that we pose, it it makes these atheists of color uncomfortable because they don't want to deal with that situation. They don't want to have to answer those questions. Some of them were put on those boards because they're not challenging. And many of them are not necessarily using critical thoughts. They're just happy to be on the board. They're just happy to be acknowledged. And as I stated earlier, they're just happy to be getting the approval of whites. So, you know, it's just interesting because when I talk about the black nationalism, the black nationalism, um, for the most part, is on par with white supremacy. It's the same thing. It's the same message. It's just with black face. So, of course, they agree with, you know, quite a bit of, you know, the rhetoric that's coming from a lot of white racists. They believe the same thing. When they get out here and they start talking about, you know, racism is a cute little word, and you start looking at some of the things, you know, you have to read um, Raina's last blog, and it's entitled The Lobbying Game. And you read the quote that was given by Jeremiah. I'm talking about Jeremiah Kamara. And you look at the, you know, the other quotes that are there. There are a lot of similarities there. A lot of hidden messages. And I just find it interesting someone that's catering to the black atheist community won't declare whether they're a believer or not. But they're telling people if you're going to believe in a God, believe in a black God. What's the difference between a black God and a white God? I thought atheists didn't believe in God at all. So there's a lot of mixed messages out here, a lot of mixed messages. There's going to be more to come, more to come, because I'm not done dealing with that situation. And, you know, I've been really nice about it, but I think I'm going to start calling names. I try to be nice about these situations, but nice isn't doing it. But even if I call the names, nothing is going to change. And that's why, you know, I said, you know, in many cases, we've just resolved the fact that, you know, things are pretty much going to remain the same. You know, there are a lot of people that are comfortable with the status quo. And, you know, you like it, I love it. That's okay for you, fine. But that's why some of us are doing something different. And we've gone. And we will continue to go in a different direction because we can't co-sign that. I can't, I can't do it. In good conscience, I can't do that. And I'm not going to tear down the black community as a whole to please, you know, um, white people. It's just not going to happen. And to give them the opportunity to come in and you know, tear down one of the last vestiges, strongholds or strong vestiges, if you will, in the black community that shields us 
from a lot of the white supremacy that shields us from, you know, some of the racism. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. And the ones that are out here that are happy to be their buffer zones, that are happy to be their little puppets, that are happy to get out here and, like I say, shuck and jive, fetching stuff for them, so be it. I wish you well in that, and I will say you're doing a really good job. How about that? You can never say I didn't say anything nice about you. So um, it's just just really interesting. But there is a lot of growth. I've seen a lot of growth in myself. And like I said, you know, several years ago, I would have been in that same position. I would have been saying and doing the same thing. I was doing it. You know, let me just pull the covers off of myself. I was doing and saying some of the same things. And like I said, you know, I have nothing but love and admiration for the people that have, you know, critiqued me, if you will, that read me for points, that educated me. You know, yeah, that shit stung at first, but it made me go and question. It made me go and do some research. It made me go, well, damn. It made me come back and apologize and humble myself. That's what it did for me. And that's me. I am not you and you are not me. You know, but we do need to work together more in a collective sense. Um, But when I say more in a collective sense, I'm not talking about making black people feel bad about being black people. Because, again, there are a lot of policies that are on the books. There are a lot of injustices. There are a lot of things that are happening that creates the environment in which we live. You know, sometimes you have people that want to talk about how angry we are. And, I, you know, I um, posted a blog yesterday in which it said, you know, basically, dear America, black people have the right to be angry. And we do. We do, you know, and I, I just sit back. And, you know, in many cases when I'm talking and people call me angry, it's, it's, it's more of a righteous anger. It's more of a passion because I do have passion in what I'm doing and what I believe in, and I will passionately defend the black community against anyone that's trying to tear them down. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist of color or if you're a white atheist. If I see you doing it, I'm going to say something about it. I'm not going to co-sign it. I'm not going to support it. And, I mean, of course, there are going to be some people that have problems with what I'm saying today. You know, I've made it crystal clear in the past. I'm making it crystal clear again today. Can't make it any clearer than this. You know, it's your choice whether you listen to me or you don't. Whether your choice, whether you agree with me or you don't, it's okay. It doesn't bother me one way or the other because, you know, I've made my mind up and I'm going to do what I need to do. And this has been part of my growth process in free thought and humanism and in my womanhood, if you will, um, just in Kimberly's life. You know, this is growth in Kimberly and every facet of Kimberly. And, you know, I have to give a lot of that to free thought because it forced me to, to look at situations. It forced me to step outside of situations and to look at it from a lot of different angles. Everything is not black and white. There are a lot of gray areas in life. 
And again, perception is not necessarily reality. So, and again, I'm talking from Kim's perspective. You know, your experience may be a lot different than mine, and that's fine. But I just want you to question everything. I want you to I want you to grow in your humanism and not be afraid of it. You know, there are people in this community that, you know, give you all of that machismo, all of that bravado, but they're scared shitless. There are some people in this community that are scared of Christians and Muslims. They're scared of theists. You know, trust me, it happens. I've had conversations with people. So, you know, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Think, baby. Autodidactism is, is a good thing. You can learn on your own. You don't have to have the alphabet behind your name. Google is your friend, but also remember there's a lot of bullshit out here as well on the Internet, but in this community. So on that note, I'm ending the show. I wish you well. I love you. Have a great weekend. Blackfreethinkers at gmail.com if you got something to say. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.